Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. This show's topic is the Equal Rights Amendment, and we are joined by Betty Folliard, the founder of ERA Minnesota. The Equal Rights Amendment was a proposed amendment to the U.S. Constitution that's purpose was to guarantee equal legal rights of all American citizens regardless of sex. It was passed by Congress in 1972, but needs 38 state legislatures to approve it in order for it to be ratified. We talk about why that hasn't happened yet and what we're losing in the process. I hope you like the show. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at MinPost.com. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about, and we were talking a little before the show, and there's a lot of recent news, but I want to make sure that everybody's sort of on the same page before we jump into the current, super current events, which is, okay, so you're at like a, a dinner party, or you're at a cocktail party, and somebody wanders up, like, oh, hey, what do you what, what do? you do? And you're like, oh, I, I work for ERA Minnesota, and somebody's like, ERA, what, what's that? Yeah. What is that about? And what, A laundry detergent? Yeah, what, yeah. what's... what's Runs average? What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, what do you what do you say once you dispel the laundry detergent notion? Yeah. So, actually, that laundry detergent in 1972 or 72 uh, was created at the same time that the Equal Rights Amendment passed originally through the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, and uh, was sent out to be ratified by the states. And you know, it was given an arbitrary deadline. And I say arbitrary because there's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can put a deadline on a constitutional amendment. And uh, so it, 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 we, we talk about how it had 10 years to pass. Only two constitutional amendments up until that time were ever given a deadline, and one of them was women's rights. I mean, that makes sense. I, I mean, come on. And I want to I want to dig into that because the, yeah. there's even been some news now about the the deadline and whatnot. But just sure. like again, somebody let's say somebody just wandered in here. They thought that they were they are waiting for a bowling lane right now, right. and they're like <laughs> they're like, wait, what is the ERA? Yes. How do okay. you sort of give the definition? Easy. The Equal Rights Amendment is twenty four. Simple words. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. That's it. It's 24 words. What does it do? It prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex or gender in our Constitution. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and it governs all of the courts, and we need to have those protections to protect uh, our citizens against violence, uh, sexual violence, uh, pregnancy discrimination, pay inequity, and laws that unjustly impact LGBTQ and non-binary individuals, men, everybody. And so uh, when somebody says, okay, that, that sounds good, what... And then they're like, but what would actually be different if we had pa- if we were to pass the ERA? Like, can you give us some, mm-hmm. like, how would people's lives be different on a day-to-day basis or a right. year-to-year basis? First of all, it would add women to the Constitution. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, seriously, we were intentionally left out from the inception of this country. And that is the, the, the fundamental problem behind all of this. Uh, so, so you know, you can go all the way back to Jane Addams, mm-hmm. 
uh, when John Adams was going off to write the Constitution, and she said, "Don't uh, don't forget the ladies." Yeah, remember the women. Remember the remember the ladies. Yeah. And and then you look uh, further forward, and you look at some of the amendments and how we should have been added by the fourteenth, fifteenth, by the fifteenth amendment, um, and, and and we're intentionally left out at that time. We're still not given the same protections as as white men in this in this society, uh, and and so it impacts the courts mainly. You know, that, that if you look at some of the, the lawsuits that have gone all the way to the Supreme Court and be, been turned back because we don't get the same kind of scrutiny that um, men do, that, that uh, things that are named in the Constitution, like race or uh, country of origin, are in there, uh, it would provide those protections. Like, can you give us an example of like a, a kind, of, maybe one of those cases that's gotten yeah. turned back? Or well, one of the most egregious ones, uh, I think, was a, a case of a woman who got um, a restraining order from her, uh, against her husband because he was violent. She had four kids, and and she got that restraining order, but the police would not kind of honor it, and uh, and then. She came home one day, and, and, and th- her three daughters were gone, and she knew that her husband had taken them. And she went to the police, and she knocked on the door, and they, wouldn't, they just wouldn't help her. They wouldn't help her, and she said, he's going to kill them. He's going to kill them. And finally, he that night came to the police station where he knew she was and shot up the police station God. and was killed. And they walked to his truck and discovered the three babies dead in in the uh, in, in his truck and she took that all the way to the supreme court and because we don't have that protection against sex discrimination and she was saying that she was discriminated because the police would not uh, honor that. That actually happened yesterday in the paper. Did you see that? Isn't that just like yeah. a terrible, There's terrible a, I mean, policing? There like, was another, there was another uh, woman who was killed by her husband and the, the, the children shot. Uh, this just yesterday was in the paper. And, and she also had a restraining order against her husband. You know, that, that there, we, we need to have laws that protect us. So, so the Equal Rights Amendment would make it so that if something like that happened, you would have a provision in the Constitution that you could point to and say, if you are going to give a... Well, how, how would yeah, that well, actually so work? Other yeah. ways. Let me give you some other examples. I mean, um, three, only 3% of rapists will ever see a night in jail. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we talk about violence against women. The, it says one in five college students now today, will, college women will, will experience sexual assault. Actually, there was just when I was in California three weeks ago, there was a study at Stanford University where I went to undergraduates, and, and it was 40%. They studied 10,000 students, and it was 40% of the women at Stanford had experienced sexual assault. So, you know, that's one issue. Pay inequity is huge. Pregnancy discrimination, many of the people in this room probably have have experienced it. I know I did. So, yes, let's talk about the the pay inequity piece because this comes up a lot. And we've actually, we've had other shows on this that, you know, there's still this big gap between what women are paid and what men are paid. So, again, knowing that that's a problem, how does the Equal Rights Amendment address 
address that problem? Like, what is the mechanism that that then creates? Well, so, you know, we have this this system of laws, but the laws are not always equally um, uh, followed or whatever uh, in our court systems. And uh, so today... It's about the difference of, for, for white women, it's, you know, 82 cents on the dollar. It's much worse for African-American women, uh, Latina women, Native American women, much bigger uh, inequities. Right. And, and so women would have the, uh, the, the, the foundation of the Constitution when they went into a court of law to sue an employer. And uh, that's the that's the strongest, you know. You'd get strict scrutiny. Right now, we get what's called in- intermediate scrutiny in the laws because there it's are some laws, scrutiny. but the argument is they could be interpreted differently. And, and they're the, fickle. And they're they're fickle. very fickle. Laws are fickle. They're fickle. Fickle. You know, they come and go with the with the winds of politics. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, and and right now we're seeing this huge turn back. Who's noticed that? <laughs> Right, huge ratcheting back on 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 our rights. You know, whether whatever you you just name it, and 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 it's being attacked right now. And so it takes the politics out of it. And we were going to talk about politics. Because, I am, yeah. Like you know, I, we have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I one piece, more piece on this pay inequity piece yes. because I always think about is so the pay inequity piece is important. But even to be able to sue, you have to know that you're getting paid less. So uh, maybe this is somewhat tangential. Should everybody just be talking about how much money they get paid more? Yeah, that that um, the laws are changing in some respects on that. But yes, I I personally think you ought to be able to talk with, with your co-worker and find out if uh, that person is making a lot more money than you for the same job. Yeah. And you should just ask them. Yeah, yeah. you should yeah. be able to. And, and there's all these gag orders that prevent you. But uh, there are certain laws that are changing along the way. Okay, so... It's not systematic right now. The ERA, the original Equal Rights Amendment, uh, we were... it's got a long history. I think a lot of people uh, sort of associated sort of as, you know, as you even noted in the opening, kind of coming out of Congress in the 1970s, right? Yes. So what was happening at that moment that it sort of came out then and, and what was sort of the push behind that? So, you, you know, you look at the times and, and, and it was the whole civil rights movement that was and the women's rights movement. There was just a lot of energy in this country at that time. Uh, but the Equal Rights Amendment goes back to 1923. That's when Alice Paul, a Republican, and her colleagues wrote the Equal Rights Amendment. And it was uh, first introduced by a Republican in 1942, I believe it was, uh, in Congress. And it took until 1972 for it to pass through the U.S. House and Senate and to be sent out to ratify, be ratified by the states. And uh, Does that mean it was signed by Richard Nixon? No, it didn't have to be signed by the president because the equal, um, constitutional amendments are the purview of the legislative branch, not the executive branch, not the judicial branch. So Congress passed it out. In, and I think that this is fascinating. It was a very bipartisan piece of legislation. Just a note on that, yeah. though. When a, you know, At some point, Jimmy Carter did sign the Equal Rights Amendment, but it was more uh, symbolic because he wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's so, good for yeah. Jimmy. Uh, so, um, 
But he didn't have to. And no, the current president would not have to. No. Okay. So uh, it goes out and then it goes to the States. And this is... Um, this is a little bit of a like uh, schoolhouse rock that uh, you you get it through the House and the <laughs> yes, Senate, and then it needs rock. to be ratified mm-hmm. by two thirds of the states. Yeah. So two thirds of the states need to three quarters, three yeah. quarters. Excuse yes, me, thirty eight states, thirty eight states yeah. uh, have to give their check mark to it. Yes. And uh, I believe up until somewhat recently, within the last couple of years, we were sort of hovering in the mid thirties. It was at thirty. Five when the deadline made it expire. And I there say was expire. A, no, laws never expire, and amendments don't go away. So. Well, and you mentioned this at the beginning, but they this was unusual. They put a deadline. They said you have to yes. get all of the states to ratify it by this date, and then they extended that. Correct. Right. 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 Um, and then that didn't. We didn't get all 38 states to ratify it. No, um, they extended it, and that's we got to 35 by 1982, and then all the air went out of the bubble. It just was, you know, deflated because we were told, you're done, go home, and nothing's going to happen. So it took until the early 2000s, ten people started looking, and, and there was a, a congressional a review on it that said, well, wait a second, that deadline is in the preface of the bill. It's not in the actual 24 words that pass through 35 states. So maybe we don't have to pay any attention to it. And then scholars said that too. Well, I, and I, I'm curious about why it came back, but can you talk a little bit just from your own point of view uh, and why it you know, sort of petered out at that time? Like why it didn't keep going? Like what you felt like wasn't catching in those last few places? Well, you know, when you're when you, the evening news gets on there and says, you're done, go home, and everybody realized, and there was at that time, even in Illinois, there was a, a hunger strike. I know one of the hunger strikers who went 35 days suffering for the Equal Rights Amendment, and then, no, you're done, we're in charge, go home. Power does not give itself up. Let's be clear about that. And and, and, and think about who was the, the makeup of our leadership at that time. It was white men, right? And, and it was still the patriarchy. Still is largely, yeah. Yeah, it still is. It's getting better. Um, but it was, and the patriarchy is affirmative action for men. It's what it is. And, and as I say, you know, when you're, everybody just, it ended. Uh, the, we became very split polarized, you know, over the war in Vietnam, over abortion, even though abortion was settled on a different part of the Constitution, on the right to privacy, not on anything having to do with equality. And, uh, yeah, you know, the the activists got tired, I think. So the activists got tired, and then sometime in the mid-2000s, as you're saying, this kind of rekindled. What? Yes. Why? Why then? Well, uh, partly from this congressional re- review, that um, research uh, report that came out and said th- that maybe that deadline doesn't need uh, to be uh, um, there. It doesn't. It, it, it. You know, Congress has the right to ignore it or to extend it or delete it. And so that's when the delete the deadline bill started happening. Well, can I, I mean, just to push on this a little bit, it seems like the energy gets zapped out of it and the activists are like, oh, like maybe a little deflated. And then all of a sudden there's a review of legislative language that suggests (laughs) that a deadline might not actually be a deadline. Well, Well. I can't wait now. (laughs) 
and in the meantime, you've got you've got states that were ratifying the Equal Rights Amendment. Right now, today, there's 26 states in the nation that have an Equal Rights Amendment in their state constitution, which indicates that there's nothing apocalyptic about the Equal Rights Amendment, by the way. You know, they, the, um, I don't know, there's, most of them are over 40 years old, and uh, California has had one for 140 years. And, and, and so, you know, it wasn't that any work was not, no work was happening, but, but then suddenly in 2014, Oregon ratified their state constitution in 2016-17, all of a sudden, Nevada became the first state in almost 40 years to ratify a federal constitution. They ratified their state. They and ratified. They the ratified. Federal, that federal was, one. and all of a sudden, you know, the top blew off. Oh, we're doing this thing, and then 2018, Illinois, the only industrialized northern state in the nation that had not ratified the Equal Rights Amendment, finally cut their ties with the Confederacy and ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. So now. Now we're, we were one, we are one state away. One state away. away. That was fit 36 and 37. We're one state away. And the big news, tidings of good joy, um, is that Virginia just changed its legislature from red to blue, and they just uh, they just elected a speaker of the House for the first time in 400 years, who is a woman. And they intend oh. to be the 38th state in January 2020. Not only that, but the U.S. House, for the first time in 30 years, the U.S. House, 36 years, the U.S. House Judiciary in, in, in April uh, had a hearing on the Equal Rights Amendment. And last week, they passed the delete the deadline bill through the judiciary. So the House is saying, like, there was this bill that, again, is questionable whether it was uh, legitimate or not to say that there's a deadline for this. Uh, the House seems on the verge of passing something that would say, we don't care about that deadline. It's, it's parallel universes. We are, we're working on the 38 states while we're, we're working on Congress because all of this is educational to the public. But also, you know, that would take off the steam of that... that uh, arbitrary deadline. It would just, you know, get rid of it. So we have 219 co-sponsors on that. That's a majority of the House. That's how popular this is. It's hugely popular. So uh, I, this is actually just like an interesting constitutional question that I, I don't know that well, which is, <laughs> so, okay, Virginia passes, let's say ratifies yes. it in January, and then 38 states did it. The, what, what happens? Like, just like there, there's a there's a piece of parchment yeah. in the Capitol somewhere that just all of a sudden this amendment appears upon. So like, the next or, step for that is that uh, it goes to the it goes to the archivist of the United States. Oh, a popular guest on our show. Yes, yes of course. Uh, yeah. Well, you can have him on. And uh, and the archivist, we have a letter from the archivist that says that. Uh, once the 38th state ratifies, he will declare the Equal Rights Amendment ratified and that he will not 
consider the deadline, and he will not consider the five states that rescinded their state's uh, ratification after the fact. And, and the reason is because there's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can rescind after a ratification, and there's nothing in the Constitution that says that you can put a deadline on an, equal, on, on, on an amendment. But amendment. I, I assume, though, because of where we live, that there will just be lots of lawsuits, right? Mm-hmm. Like that this will just be a field day for lawyers. For... And the good news is um, that that's what happened in 1920. Nobody has any memory of this, of course, but... <laughs> Careful, I sometimes, I, look, yeah, I sometimes. make a joke like that, and then there's somebody yeah. in the audience who's like, I do. I uh, do. No, in 1920, uh, when women finally got the right to vote, the first thing that happened were lawsuits. All these men, you can't do that. Women can't vote. And uh, we won. And, and just as the, there were lawsuits then... There will be lawsuits now, and we will prevail because we're on the right side of history. We won't take no for an answer. We will prevail. But (laughs) in addition to that, though, you know, um, the lawsuits, they have lawyers. We have lawyers that um, we have national lawyers and national law firms who are already drawing up our lawsuits to put out on the first day to prevent their lawsuits. So, so in theory, this could, I mean, there will be these lawsuits, but yeah. by this time next year, we could live in a world where the Equal Rights Amendment was part of the U.S. Constitution. Almost, almost. Two years. Yeah, because there's a two-year enactment uh, from the time that it is ratified, there's two years. Of, so get all your, like, all sex your discrimination out of your system now yeah. because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You got it. Great. Awful. Uh, So, okay, two questions about the the two big sort of uh, questions I've been thinking about. So, one, uh, we were talking a little bit about the history of feminism before the show. Right. And you were making a point about that feminism has evolved over the years. No question. Uh, The first wave of feminism was exclusive. And they particularly excluded women of color, African-American women particularly. The second wave of feminism in the 60s, 70s, uh, early 80s was exclusive. They excluded lesbians. And there was a big, big push back and forth on that. The third wave of feminism, and I call this the third wave. Where we are still, now. Uh, because we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, is inclusive and it is for all that uh, the the way that the equal rights amendment passed in uh, Nevada and Illinois was a bipartisan and b represented the, the the concept that the equal rights amendment stands for equality period that's what we're talking about and so it's it's for everybody if that had been the ethos in the 70s. Do you think that we would have passed the ERA then? I don't think so, because I think the world... And my father talked about this when I was um, uh, telling him, and he was well into the late 90s at this point, and we were going to vote, and, and it was on the uh, um, marriage equality. It was on you know the, the campaign to make marriage between a man and a woman. 
and I'm driving along, and I'm and I'm telling him about it, and I'm saying, and and Dad, I'm going to vote no on that. Uh, you, I, I know you're going to do whatever you want to do. And, and he said, well, I'm going to vote no, too. The world has evolved, Betty. You know? And I just went, yes! Yes! That was my dad. <laughs> you know, so. Um, okay, so one other question that I, like comes up to me a lot, and it's been part of like the conversation around this, and maybe, some people might feel like this is tangential, but I think about this a lot. Are, are gender roles stupid? <laughs> Are they stupid? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You know, um, I'm, I, I don't know if I can get too deep into gender roles. Please, go you nuts. Know, Have because, more wine. Because, uh. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, um, I, th- I think that um, th- so much of it has been a, a societal construct. And, and it, was to the, the, it, it was to elevate... Some and 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 to push others down, you know that. That, that sounds that, stupid to me. Yeah, it is. It is stupid. So gender yeah. roles are okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, you know, to be the way you are. That's the whole point. Is that you know, you. equal means equal. It doesn't mean the same. That's the key. You know that 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 we can we we can be different and and we can see each other with equal eyes. On that very beautiful, powerful note, can you all please help me and do a big <laughs> round of applause for Betty Bolliard? All right. If you have a question, raise your hand, and I will come towards you in a totally non-threatening way and um, give you this microphone and a sticker to reward you. They're brand new stickers. Put them somewhere prominent. Um, but most of all, ask a question in order to get it. So who's got a question about the... Oh, right there. Oh, you're so close. I'm going to start here. Thank you. Um, if and when Virginia ratifies what and the deadline goes away, what will happen to the efforts, for example, like here in Minnesota, to have an ERE in our Constitution? So right now, you know, you've got these two directions. You've got the state ERA, you've got the federal ERA. And we have to continue to push on the state level, uh, partly because what we know is that even if it ratifies in 2020 at the federal level, there's still two years. And, and if, we, if we were to uh, be successful at the state level, then we would have our state court systems in place with an Equal Rights Amendment. Also, women in Minnesota should be in the Minnesota Constitution. So it's, it's a basic right. We should have it. Is there anything in the Minnesota ERA that's not in the national? Yeah, one? there are different language. Uh, the, as I mentioned, the federal is equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. And the uh, state one is uh, abbreviated from that, a lot of similar language, but it says on account of gender. And, and the, the thinking of that was that gender is a more contemporary term. A lot of people interpret it more broadly, uh, and it's understood more broadly. But I'm, a, I'm the former board chair, the first board chair of Gender Justice, a nonprofit law firm f- that uh, fights, for, fights against discrimination on the basis of gender. And uh, one, of, one of the things that, that the, one of the, found, the co-founders said to me was that sex and gender can be used uh, interchangeably in the law. And that's what we are working towards. 
so that we don't have to start over with an equal rights amendment from the beginning and change the language. And are there any legal things that would be important for having it in the Minnesota version that, you know, even if we had it at a national level, or does the national amendment sort of supersede anything that would come up in the states? Well, I'm sure that it, it without it, it would trip things up. That uh, if, you, if you had it at the federal level, you didn't have it at the state level, and the court systems, I mean, we've got a judge in the room. We might be able to, <laughs> we might be able to ask more. But the court system, you know, it, it, they, the state courts use the state constitution. Am I correct? And the federal ah. courts use the federal constitution. So if, if it was going before a state court and you didn't have a state ERA, you're not as protected without it. Fabulous. All right. Uh, okay, one here, and then I know that there are some up there, but I'll go here. Could you just explain the process? Once we have, we pass it through the Minnesota Senate for the Minnesota ERA, it does not automatically become an amendment to the Minnesota right, Constitution. Right, It is, the language is a question that would go to before the voters in it for the state ERA. So if it passes in the state... Uh, Senate. And let me just speak a moment about the state Senate. The state Senate, in Virginia last year, uh, in, in the state of Virginia, in the legislature, they took a vote on the ERA. It was a, I won't say, it, 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 it was a procedural vote, but it was a vote. And the vote was 50 to 50, and there was one man standing in the way of the Equal Rights Amendment, federally. Uh, in Minnesota, there's one man standing in the way of the Equal Rights Amendment, and his name is Paul Gazelka, and he is the uh, majority leader of the Senate. This is a, a, a man who is the gatekeeper of all the bills that he determines will or will not go into the Senate. He would not sp speak to one person on the Equal Rights Amendment this year. He's, he went to Oral Roberts University. Uh, he studied to be a pastor, a, an evangelical pastor, but God called him to be an insurance salesman. And so he went into the, into the uh, marketplace, and, and, and he, he discovered how important it was to proselytize in the marketplace. And so he wrote a book in 2005 called Marketplace Ministries. In that book, and this was uh, this paragraph that I take out of there, I won't quote it, but uh, was, was published in the Star Tribune in 2016. In that book, he talks in a paragraph about his pornography addiction. This is the man, the one man standing in the way of the Equal Rights Amendment in the state of Minnesota. And so we, you know, what we have to do, we fight this on, on two battlegrounds. We fight it in the legislatures, you know, in the legislative branch, and we fight it in elections. And next year, with, with all of that pressure of the 100th anniversary of suffrage, all the attention that that's going to bring to the Equal Rights Amendment, it's going to be one of those poop or get off the can moments for the legislators. That is a way to put it. Uh, that was so, the best I could do. Uh, so <laughs> can I just ask one piece about the, because so uh, as the questioner noted, so assuming the Senate passed it, it would then go to Minnesota voters yes. to uh, decide the whether they wanted to amend the Minnesota Constitution right. to add this. Right. It goes on the November ballot, and it would be a constitutional amendment like we've had in the past. 
I've, I mean, I will just say I, I've had some people uh, argue to me, uh, especially because you even brought up like the, the marriage amendment, yes. that we are more and more in a time where people are hesitant about wanting to change the Constitution, that that is sort of a big decision and like it's a thing that requires maybe more effort and more sort of like convincing. Yeah, it's 96 years of effort. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Uh, but but, but here's the deal. But it'll be done it 27 times. You know, it, 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 it is a totally doable thing. And, and, and in Minnesota, I don't, I can't tell you the number, but you know, it is, yes, it is a more difficult, it's a higher bar line, but 94% of Americans believe that people should be considered equal in, in America. Our biggest challenge is not can we pass a constitutional amendment. It is education because we have to get to the maximum amount of people and have this conversation. And that's why I'm deputizing all of you to go out there. We have to be the catalyst. We have to be the spark that ignites transformative change in this country. And it's on us, just like the marriage amendment. Good. Okay. I have a lot of other questions. I know. Raise your hand again so that I, because I not necessarily remember. Uh, you sh- oh, now you're shrugging. Uh, uh, what? Does somebody have a question or just wants a sticker and so they'll come up with a question for it? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, she wants a sticker. When you talk about passing, uh, about the voters passing it, could you talk a little bit about the sorts of fears that lead people not to want to vote for it, particularly that lead women not to want to vote for it? Not to want to vote for it. Well, um, you know, there are women in America who do what their husbands say, and they, they vote as their husbands tell them. I remember I was calling last year. And this lovely immigrant woman on the other end of the line, you know, and I'm asking her to vote for so-and-so, and and she says, just a minute, and she calls to her husband and says, who are we voting for? And he said, Trump! (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm not going to get there. But, um, you know, so that's one issue. Uh, There's so many scare tactics. You know, I I always think of us after uh, 9-11, and and the image of going into our bunkers and putting the the, the um, masking tape what was it uh, around the, our windows and uh, the duct tape around the windows and 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 voters do that they get they get frightened or they get turned off by the noise coming from both sides and that's why we have to be a clear voice and go through that the abortion issue you can always. You just say the word abortion and people go, whoa. But abortion was settled on a different part of the Constitution. It's settled law. And so it's an easy way of addressing it. Um, I'm trying to think uh, what if there were any... Alimony, the questioner is Alimony, asking. and alimony is even. So the, the question... Alimony I, uh, is even now. Well, the, the argument that I've read at least would be that if, you, if the Equal Rights Amendment were in, that um, you, you would change dramatically potentially how alimony works because yeah, you wouldn't sort of have a, a standard that's like, yeah. well, the man makes more money and so he has to pay the woman back for this I way. saw that um, on Facebook. A guy was was always r- a was reputable raging, source, raging, raging about that uh, just today, and and I and I looked at his uh, website, and you know all I can say is he is the far far 
far right. And, and, and so it's an argument that's used. It just isn't true. It just isn't true that, that alimony now, in this day and age, is, okay, if the woman makes more than the man, that's, there's going to be an adjustment. If the man makes more than a woman, there's going to be an adjustment. And it's, and, and it's to come out with a balance. Are there? I I do want to push on this because I mean yeah. I I appreciate sure. that there are a lot of people who you know are are for lack of a better term easy to pick on like in terms of like their opposition to this but I mean this has been something we've been arguing over for forty to a hundred years there yeah. must be uh, there Another must argument? be there must well I'm just saying there must be arguments to this that you feel like well I, I at least understand why people yeah. make like feel that way and like it, reasonable minds can disagree about this yeah um, one of the more unreasonable things was was uh, legislative women Republican women legislators getting up uh, on the house floor and 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 saying that you know, getting angry because their mother was against it and they're against it, no reason, and or saying that women are already equal or the argument that women are superior to men, so why do we need it? We get that. We, we, we hear that. But what I see when I see a Republican woman getting up on the House floor and screaming against the Equal Rights Amendment because, because we don't need it and, and we already have it, etc. What I see is a woman who has already made it to the top and she's pulling the ladder up behind her. That's what I see. Okay, we're the, yes, right here. Um, I have some friends in there, uh, Republican friends, uh, and they said that then the men can go into the girls' bathrooms and the men can play women's sports and girls play boys' sports and that everything is going to be all mixed up and women will be the worst off. Yeah, the bathroom issue. Woohoo! And, and, you know, here's the deal. The bathroom issue was used back in the 70s and, and the early 80s as, as a big, big problem. And uh, we now have unisex bathrooms without the Equal Rights Amendment. It is settled law, and you go in and you see a unisex bathroom just like in your home, and, and you can use that bathroom. <laughs> I, so, so I, I don't know. It's part of the, the – that's it. I mean, that's obviously like an over-the-top uh, interpretation, but no, would true. that be – I know that goes back to that gender role question. I guess I was asking before, like, yeah. would we be better off if we sort of like just let go of some of these notions of gender? Would I prefer on an airline going into a, an airline bathroom that was a woman's bathroom? You know what? I would because I don't like the pee on the seats. But, but it's it's unisex bathrooms in airplanes and you can decide to go to the bathroom or not you know um back to gender roles you know um the fact is that the world is evolving the world is changing not not as fast as some of us would like it to but men are staying at home and and caring for the children and i i and i bet there are there people i know there are people in this room who have family members because we do who you know the man stays at home and the woman has has the job and the man's raising the the children you know that that uh, they're changing are they 
Do I think that men and women are the same? No, I don't think men and women are the same. I think that it's a a spectrum. It's a whole spectrum of of sexuality. And and, and we have to, to recognize and appreciate all of the different aspects of this spectrum. So... Uh, this is maybe putting the cart ahead of the horse because I think we, this should have been done 40 years ago. But let's say, for example, uh, Virginia approves uh, and ratifies it, and we have hit this magic number of 38, and the Senate and the House 40 years ago put it out to the states. And let's say I am, I'm just going to pick a random state that may or may not fit this qualification, but let's say I'm the state of Missouri that had ratified it and then decided to rescind its ratification, do I, the now Republican Attorney General of the state of Missouri, sue and take this to Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court and say, you can't do this? Is that, is that, is so that yes, on the road? That, what, what you're asking is, you know, in general, that or another issue, uh, would it go to the Supreme Court? There's, there's every chance that it could, I should say, uh, and, and we don't have a favorable Supreme Court. What would that mean? That would mean if the Supreme Court turned it back, and again, that's questionable because the legislative branch is the only branch that has control over constitutional amendments. But, but let's just say, you know, they said, well, we're, we're doing this thing. We're, you know, the Supreme Court. And, and, and what that would mean is that we would have to go back and pass it state by state. However, at that point, we already have 38 states that have ratified, and I think those state legislators within, you know, the next few months would, would, would uh, d- ratify it. Even the ones that had rescinded their ratification? Yeah, because that was a previous legislator. You know, uh, again, and, and I'll get real specific on this, in the 14th Amendment, uh, the 14th Amendment after it passed giving African-American men rights in America, um, there were two states that rescinded their uh, ratification. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court turned them back, saying that a state cannot unratify after the fact. Uh, and it's not in the Constitution either. But uh, So there's precedent. Some would say there's super precedent on that. I don't know if that's I've got that, that right. But, uh, but there's precedent for the S- Supreme Court to just decide, okay, we're not going to touch this because, oh, 161 million women would be affected and because there's precedent. So last question, you noted earlier you're deputizing everyone here. You want everybody to go out and do things. So somebody was saying to me before the show, like, well, most of the folks who probably came out tonight probably are are largely on board with this or whatnot. So uh, they're going to go out. They're they're inspired by what you've said. What is it that they do to maybe reach those folks who don't? either uh, even just aren't even thinking about this haven't right. thought about it one way or another yeah. like what is the sort of thing that they should do yeah with, i, I say folks? it starts at thanksgiving dinner right <laughs> starts at thanksgiving dinner and then you go to org, and you sign up and you plug in and find out how you can be most effective in getting to the people who are making the decisions so that we can change the culture of this state and this nation. On that note, please, a big round of applause. Betty Bulliard, everybody. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.